The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley is a program that focuses on the arts community from Stockton to Merced and Foothill to Foothill. We talk with local authors, poets, playwrights, fine artists, actors, directors, filmmakers, dancers, musicians, crafters, and makers to learn more about their art and the arts-related events here in our part of the valley. We're your hosts, Linda Scheller. And I'm Sandy Graham. If you're involved in the greater arts community of our area and would like to be featured, we will share our contact information at the end of the show. Today I'm talking with Linda Marie Prather, and I'm so happy that you're joining us here on Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. Thank you, Linda. Well, thank you for having me. I want to start with your, with your fine art, your visual art. When and how did you begin as an artist? Well, art with me, I think I was just, it was in me when I was born. And so I just kind of always had a pencil or a paintbrush close at hand. I took some classes in college, you know, more formal, but mostly I've just been doing it. Uh huh. Even as a child, you were yes. drawing and uh-huh. painting? Yeah, uh, doing little pictures for my grandmother. She nice. used to really delight in that. Oh, good. And your whole family encouraged that? <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that, but you know, I, I did kind of feel like I was just on my own, yeah. kind of a loner with it. Uh huh. Do you think, in a way, being maybe more of a solitary person or an inward-looking person has resulted in the kinds of expression that you? Oh, definitely. I feel like I tend to be introspective uh-huh. and uh, contemplative, and yeah, that definitely comes out, I think, in the kinds of work I do with art Very nice. in general. Well, that's, that's great. Who uh, or what influenced you as you were developing as an artist? Just whatever I would see. Hmm. I'm very visual, and I just get caught by something, you know, hmm. something that catches my eye. But I remember as a, as a teenager, I was really interested in fashion uh, design and illustration, and during the 60s, that's when fashions were really changing a lot. That's right. So I was definitely influenced by those changes, a lot of which were coming out of England at yes. the time. Oh, and I remember it well. I toyed with the idea of doing that uh-huh. you know, professionally, but it, it never. What are some favorite artists, either then or now? I always enjoyed the, um, the Impressionists and, and Van Gogh, you know, you know, his expressionism type stuff. I also enjoy these outsider artists. Hmm. This phrase that's been applied to people that have not been formally trained. Oh. Just that they've developed their own styles and done their own thing completely. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of get inspired by that, the freedom that they exhibit. You did study art, you said, in college? Was it your major? Yes, it was. Yeah. I didn't finish it, though, uh-huh. but that was something that I definitely did, did do and enjoyed for a while. Did you intend to make a career as an artist? No, I don't think I did. I think I was just doing it for myself. Well, good. Just for the enjoyment and the development. Well, I think probably the best art is done <laughs> with just the uh, need to express rather than conform or... Become rich. <laughs> Become rich, yes. yes. I, I probably knew that the possibilities of that happening were pretty rare. Maybe uh, yeah. not so to do it. Sadly. <laughs> so uh, what kinds of art do you do? Well, I, I do a variety of things. 
in the painting, I'll use oil or acrylic or watercolor and pastels. And I also like to collage with different uh, materials, mm. including found objects that I gather on my walks. I like oh. to take these walks, uh-huh. these sort of contemplative walks where I just kind of try to open up to what's there in the landscape and how it affects me. That sounds like a lovely way to live. But <laughs> well, it's it's a good way to survive yeah. sometimes. It's a wonderful therapy sometimes uh-huh. besides being enjoyable. Yeah. But I do tend to look oh, sometimes I tend to look along the ground to see what I what's there and sure. I'm always picking up things, uh-huh. putting them in my pocket and using them later. That's marvelous. <laughs> Here in the room where we're speaking, I see quite a lot of art. You were just speaking of found objects. Could you tell us about this magnificent piece um, that's on the wall here made of found objects? Well, this piece was one that was put together from objects that I found the last time I was in Arizona. And just sort of walking through a desert, sandy area along a little canal ditch. And I found that rusted object that looks so much like an oak tree. It does. But it's really the bottom of a paint can, rusted out paint can. That's marvelous. (laughs) I love the color. I mean, it's so so rich. It's a reddish brown. But then the way the rust has eaten away the metal, Mm -hmm. there are these spaces Mm -hmm. where the... What kind of paper is it underneath it? Oh, it's, it's... Probably a, a Bristol, kind of a heavy, uh, just a heavy white. Uh-huh. Oh, it's just, I love it. I mean, right away I thought of a tree, and then I got closer and I realized, oh my goodness, this was a metal disc of some sort that's been <laughs> eaten away by time and the elements. And then around it I see oak leaves and a piece of green glass. It's an old uh, rusty coin. I think it's a uh, penny. Oh, nice. And then there's little bits of paint and also. And then I've done some printing, sort of some stamping I on see. there. That's very beautiful. I really Thank like it. You. It's stunning. Thank you. And then we have across the room, there's a monoprint. Could you tell us about that? This monoprint was done on a piece of glass. I placed the paint on the glass uh, either with uh, intention towards a certain design hmm. or just because I like the colors. Uh-huh. In this case, I'm not sure that I had any real notion, but I put the paint on. And uh-huh. then, then you take a piece of paper and you lay it over the paint that's mm-hmm. on the glass. And you have a brayer, a little roller. Uh-huh. And you roll that across so you make your print. And it's a oh. one-time print. That's what they call it, mono. Print. I see. Take it off and there's your piece. That's cool. It's a lot of fun because it's quick. Uh-huh. Well, what kind of paint is used this for This is that? actually colored ink. I see. Acrylic. Okay. Well, too. Uh-huh. Well, that's great. Makes me want to run home and do that. <laughs> the sun, why... It, yes, it could be a moon for someone, but for me it's a sun. Yes, me but too. But the color that came out in there, the way it swirls, to oh, me it looks like a snake. Oh, nice. So then that changes the whole idea yeah. of the picture. Yeah, it, there's like a snake in that sun. Oh, so whatever that means, uh-huh. 
Oh, I like that. That sounds very <laughs> mythic. I will have to get a closer look after this. And on top of the piano, there's a pastel. Well, in this case, I have a sanded paper, which, oh. which gives the, the tooth of which the pastel pigment can embed itself into. I see. So that helps. Uh -huh. And then if you make a mistake, something you don't like, you could actually brush quite a bit of it off. So it's loose enough when you use these sanded papers where you can hmm. actually dust some of it off and then go back again. Also with pastels is you can put on many, many layers hmm. if you have that kind of paper that has a tooth to it. How did you learn about these different kinds of paper? Well, you know, I did learn um, a good bit from Georgia Herrick. I worked with in her, in her studio on this piece hmm. when she was working out of Artel Art Center in McHenry Village. Oh, my. Mm -hmm. She did that for quite a while. Uh-huh. And so I learned some good techniques from her because she's quite a pastelist. Well, that's great. And then how do you affix the pastel? Well, some people like to use a spray fixative, and, and they'll spray it, and then maybe they'll go back with some more layers in it. Hmm. Spray it multiple times. Others don't want any fixative at all, and I I tend to go towards not wanting any fixative, okay. which makes it a lot more volatile. Uh. And um, so you have to go to more trouble to... In your framing and everything I see. to protect it. If it was handled carelessly, you would lose a certain amount of the mm. pigment, mm -hmm. which is fall off. Yeah. But um, I haven't had any real trouble with that. Uh -huh. And then there's a very interesting collage behind me. What is that called again? Oh, that was called Dream Home. And I did that during that time when all the real estate was going, you know, when the market had crashed oh. and people were scrambling around gathering up all these properties as mm. fast as they could get them. And, mm -hmm. and some of them were going so fast, uh, people were, like myself even at that time, looking for my dream home. Oh, <laughs> <And> so, uh <-huh. laughs> This piece actually was done after I had found my home, but the, you, there's a woman in the center there, and that's kind of like I identify with this woman. Uh -huh. she's, she's daydreaming about me, but it's all blown out of proportion, of course, uh -huh. but, but um, I think that's what it is, the essence of that whole thing that was kind of unrealistic in some ways. And if, if you look at that collage, it's just... Well, it's it's not realistic looking. I love the white space. It looks like an earthquake <laughs> That's sort of has opening. ripped it apart. And it's leading to mm -hmm. some kind of redemption. Uh, <laughs> to call it. So, where did you get the um, images that you used for this collage? Oh, I most of them were taken out of magazines. That sounds like a and lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, just a few other things like brown paper bag and stuff oh. like that. And did you have an idea in mind when you started this? Or did it develop as you were adding pieces? I can't tell you exactly when it started, except that it did come out of my own frustration. Huh. And I've worked with collage 
to know that uh, it can just be a fun thing. It mm-hmm. can be very childlike. And you don't have to worry about how perfect it's going to be like mm-hmm. if you were doing a, um, a very fine painting or a portrait or something. You can just release yourself to have fun. And I think at that time... I was going through a stressful period, and I needed something I could just play with. Yeah. And so that's how that came to be. That's one of the things I love most about art is the playfulness that you can bring to it and that it brings to your life. Yes, you can. You know, I think I may have been working on some other media prior to that that I felt was too taxing. All of a sudden it was Mm. like, this is work. I need to get away from this work it's too tedious yeah so that was do you usually have more than one um project sort of going on i certainly have had i like used to like to always have two projects going Mm -hmm. sometimes i've had more but yes i do do you have a a room it's good where you create your art yes i i have a room where i do that and sometimes it's been difficult because I've shared my art room Mm. with my writing those can be kind of conflicting they can be distracting oh I think it's better to just have a room for the art alone and then you can write (laughs) elsewhere so don't get drawn away easily drawn away to make the making of many books you Uh know yeah I see your point And I don't want to forget this because this is the first thing I saw when I walked in. It's this magnificent acrylic. It's beautiful shades of green, yellow, blue with black. And they're upward strokes and in the middle horizontal. And then it's watery. uh, It is very watery. It's and water Uh and sky. I didn't have any idea that I was going to do anything that, that was like a a stream or Uh a creek or anything. I worked on this piece down at the Mistlin as they are hosting Memorial Medical Center's uh, complimentary therapy classes. And I just came that night thinking about the color I wanted to use. That's Hmm. all. Started working with the blue. And all I can tell you is I just started putting some color on the canvas Mm -hmm. until it's started like speaking to me yeah. about what it wanted to be. <laughs> well, it's very soothing and it has a very peaceful beauty to it. I guess that's how it is with me, yes. That's how it is with that for me, too. Does it have a title? Water and Reeds, I believe. Okay, lovely. <laughs> now, I've always been curious because I write and you can write a poem, and then you can disseminate copies to your heart's content, but you still have your poem. What is it like, though, to create visual art and have only one of them? I mean, if you wanted to give it away or sell it, it It must be kind of heartbreaking, You know how they refer to poems and uh, writings like this. They'll say it's a... There are babies, you know, mm-hmm. in a way there are children. Yes. Well, some pieces really are hard to part with. Mm-hmm. And what only thing you can really have is photograph it before you let it go. Yeah. And at least you have that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's just good for you to remember. It's also good for your portfolio to have a record. But um, 
I have sold some pieces and, and given away pieces that I forgot to photograph. So oh. That's always kind of sad. Um, but I, I think it's getting easier as I get older. Because, for one thing, I can't store so much. Mm, yeah. You run out of space. Yeah, only so many walls in your house. The traveling, or not the traveling, but the rotating exhibit, you know. Uh -huh. You just got to let some of them go. Yeah. So you do have um, work on exhibit from time to time, and I understand you have um, a show coming up. Well, I'm going to have a piece in a show that's coming up um, on the 18th of December at um, the John Alog Galleria in Hayward. It's at the, the City Hall in Hayward. Great. And um, it's in a show of the Northern California Pin Women. Uh-huh. Um, the show is going to be called Celebrating Women. How nice. And so we, we did that last year as well. Yeah, I'd love to know more about pen women. I was under the mistaken impression that it was writing only. Oh no, they they do music and they cover the arts in general, music and and dance and uh, writing and you know all the different arts, sculpture. We had you know, so it's not just writing. It's funny because it says pen women, yes. so you would think it was just writing, but no. It, it covers it all, and we would really like to see more musicians. Mm -hmm. We have a fair number of artists and writers, but we'd love to have more musicians. Well, good. I hope or, I hope some of our listeners will... Maybe uh, dance, yeah. choreography, that kind of thing. So we have a local chapter, right? Yes. And how do. often do they meet? We meet once a month. Okay. And it's a branch. We call it a branch of the of the national. Is there any requirement uh, to oh, join? Yes. Um, it's for professionals. You have, you know, show that you have sold your work, whatever your work is, mm -hmm. or been published or mm -hmm. done a public concert or whatever. I see. Something like that. Mm -hmm. So you submit a so resume or a portfolio and or yes. portfolio. Uh -huh. ah. So if our listeners are interested and meet the criteria, uh, what do they go online? Pen women of, is it Modesto or Stanislaus County? Or? It's Modesto branch of okay. American Pen Women, and they would find us there. American Pen Women. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's great. National League of American Pen Women. National League of American Pen Women. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look into that myself. It's one of the oldest uh, established organizations for women in America. Wow. And it, it began out of the fact that years ago, women artists had a hard time being recognized, mm -hmm. being able to to get their work out there and to have uh, places that they could share. So, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it was formed to support women well, good. in the arts. Women supporting women. And to women. encourage. Yeah. Was, do you have a rough idea or even a date when it was founded? Oh, my goodness. Or was I it like should. the 19th century, yes. perhaps? Has uh -huh. it been around that long? Whoa. So women couldn't vote and they weren't taken seriously as artists as you know, in general. Not really. So in this way they were able to sustain each other and mm -hmm. um well, that's a wonderful wonderful organization. I need to We've had some famous people have been in it. Yeah. So uh 
one of the president's wives. I'm sorry, I'm not sure which one it was. But you can find out all that I online. Can. Yeah. I can't remember. Well, then I'm going online later on and I'm going to read all about it. That, thank you so much. That's fascinating. Well, this is a good time then to move on to one of the other arts that you practice, um, writing. You have a couple of poems here. Would you grace us with one of one of them and read it for us? Well, yes, sure, I'd love to. I'll read something that's recent oh, rather good. than something from out of one of my books. I've been writing lately from just driving down Santa Fe because mm -hmm. I was making a lot of travels from Turlock to Modesto. And, and so I began just writing things like this. Santa Fe Drive. September 9th, 2018. Berkeley Avenue, I traverse every morning with an intent toward heading north. I gaze out on the light, the way it's hitting the fields and everything specific. The way shadows lay in the forms and mounds and curves of the soil is beautiful beyond words and something I long to study, to get lost in. But there's someone behind me barreling down, and the road keeps pulling me along. The minutes wait for no one, and I must move on. I get stopped behind number 21, county school bus, and would struggle with the loss of time for my trip, but I'm called to observe. See details in the creation all around me. Check out the way light is hitting green fields and fallow fields, trees and orchards. How cylindrical forms of the silos are beautiful too, though they are man-made of steel and aluminum. What may I claim as mine? I started with observing the clouds. Sunglasses with UV blockers allow me to rest in the glory of Cirrus, their fine definition this morning. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, the imagery is just so fine, so evocative. It is the imagistic thing that I get drawn into. Something will spark my mm -hmm. eye. Nine times out of ten, it'll be something in the landscape that yeah. I observe that gets me going. And if we don't look around and see what there is to see and find the beauty, well, then... Uh, well, somebody does it. It just happens. I'm one of them. Someone said to me the other day, after she heard one of these poems, she said she really enjoyed hearing about it because she said, those are things I would never notice. Hmm. But she enjoyed knowing about them, even though she wasn't going to notice it on her own. So huh. it made me feel like, oh, good. Yes. <laughs> oh, good. And that's very important. to someone important. besides just me. You know, the artists in our community, in our lives, do that for others, let's hope. I mean, yes, as an artist, make we make our lives yes. richer. It's a way of sharing, you know, truth or perspective. Truth, and, yes. Truth and beauty, mm -hmm. and we really need that oh, in yes. these days. I suppose we've always needed it, but yeah, I just feel it a lot mm -hmm. these days. Yeah, me too. 
So you spoke of books. How many books do you have published now? Well, I have four chapbooks and one full-length book. The full-length book is published by... Well, the full-length book was published by um, Dry Creek Press. Okay. One of my other chapbooks, the uh, Unforced Rhythms chapbook that mm -hmm. came before that, was published by Finishing Line Press. And we can go online and find yes. uh -huh. what the title again is? Unforced Rhythms mm -hmm. is the name of the book. Lovely. And so the publisher of Dry Creek Summer Song is... It's Dry Creek Press. I see. Oh, they yes. must have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Thank you. And then also in periodicals and journals and anthologies, you probably have other work published there, right? Yes, I, I do. I've, I've been in a lot of the d different publications. How did you get started as a writer? Well, I, I started journaling is what it was. Mm -hmm. And really looking into myself, I was involved in some therapy at the time uh -huh. and began to journal because of that. And then I just began to notice that poetry, poetry was showing up in these writings, these daily morning writings. Mm -hmm. And I, I was just delighted. I thought, yes. this is great, you know. I had not written poetry since I was in high school. I wrote a few things mm -hmm. and then just nothing. So for, for this writing to come, for the poetry to come up like this in my journaling was great. And mm -hmm. I just, I started reading other poets at that point and then it just took off. What poets do you um, turn to from time to time? Well, I wanted to say, you know, that in the beginning, I ran across the book of Wilma Elizabeth McDaniel's work. Oh, I love her work. And that really it just did something to me. It sort of catapulted me into this, this world of not such formal poetry uh -huh. as what I had when I was in school. And just this voice of hers mm -hmm. sort of kind of gave me permission to use my own voice. I felt comfortable with it. Uh -huh. I felt comfortable with her voice. And then I went and heard her uh, with Lillian Valley at the State Theater. They did a reading. Oh. I was just completely sold at that point. Uh -huh. um, oh, and I took a class with Lillian Valley mm. at MJC. Uh -huh. So I started becoming more familiar with other poets and, and Lorca, Garcia Lorca was one that uh, really got me in the beginning. And yes. Just the passion of his early writings, the way the landscape spoke to him, I think hmm. that, that really grabbed me. I could really relate to that. And so that's kind of where I've been going with, that's kind of where I went in my writing is this landscape influence. And somebody said to me, oh, you like, to write nature poems, and I don't really call them nature poems. I didn't think of them as nature poems, mm -hmm. but they said, in that conversation, they said, you probably like the work of Charles Wright. So then I checked out Charles Wright, and I don't find him to be a nature poet, but it's the landscape. It's mm. the natural landscape that he uses so much to just spark ideas and mm. things flow out of that. So I've been mostly influenced, or I should say he's 
still my favorite. Oh, poet. Charles Wright. <laughs> I've oh, imitated him on more than one occasion. <laughs> His style. Mm -hmm. It's just the music of what he does. The spirit of his poetry is something like what I feel like I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's great. Could you please read another poem for us? I'd love that. Okay, maybe read Twain Heart on the Deck. Sitting almost directly under this tall redwood, looking up and back, its huge trunk is visible but I don't see its beginning or its end. Can't make out the bottom or the top, its root or its head. Up here in the forest, easy to think of the great something. Reminds one of the vastness. No beginning, no end. None that I can see anyway. How about yourself? How about you? I thought so. Considering we both agree, there was not a place in time where we conceived or contrived God. What a relief. My made-up dreams and imaginings won't fill the now empty teacup from which I've been drinking. What a sigh and relief. Does the blue jay on the near branch have a clue? Does the cricket hiding in the crevice care? Have they formulated ideas about where they came from and how they got here? Such wise souls on the wing and crawl, chirping and echoing the eternal song. A slight wind wraps itself around the house, circles the oval table, flutters the floral cloth, tips the umbrella I sit beneath. A dog in the distance barks at the full moon I do not see yet. His anticipation cannot wait. But the creatures of the woods will, and patiently, a little while and they'll move more freely in this element, this mostly darkness. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. That is lovely. And that's recent too. Yes, actually June 26th of this year. Do you do a lot of revision? Not a lot, but I certainly, well, I write everything by hand uh -huh. and then I take it to the computer. Uh-huh and I'll formalize it. But I, I do a lot of editing on the paper with a pencil mm -hmm. as well. So I do a fair amount, but some of my best lines, what I consider my best lines and my best thoughts, they stay really very much intact. I just will change a few things, uh, maybe to have a certain syllabic count. Mm -hmm or a better word, perhaps I've reiterated a word more than I want to, so mm -hmm. I'll change that, things like that. Do you set challenges for yourself in terms of a form that you want to attempt or rhyme? Well, or I tend meter not specific? to do as much rhyme and meter. Uh -huh. um, 
but I have worked at it in different workshops and things. I find that sometimes I'll really hear internal rhyme, which is mm -hmm. what I'm more inclined to, is yes. internal rhyme. But once in a while, a piece will come out with a more definite rhyme scheme. It's usually a shorter poem. Uh -huh. And that's fun because it just comes that way, mm -hmm. so I accept it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do you have any readings coming up? I don't have anything planned right now um, except reading the next Song of the San Joaquin. Um, do editorial work for that magazine, and it's a quarterly, and so four times a year we'll put together the publication and then we'll we'll have the reading at the library, the Modesto Stanislaus Library. Is that a, a pen women? Um, no, no, that's just... Um, actually, the song of the San Joaquin is a magazine that's put out by the poets of the San Joaquin, which is um, a uh, chapter of the uh, California... Federation of Chaparral Poets. Oh, okay. And you're a member of that, too? Yes. Huh. So, yeah, that's that's an old organization. It's been around 50 years at least, much longer. How does one join that? You can go online and uh -huh. to the website and see what they have. Unfortunately, it's not, it's not the big club that it once was where we had so many chapters all over the state and all these conventions. It's pretty much been whittled down hmm. to more or less now online. Oh. But you can go on there and they, they have a contest that's that's on now. Um not sure when the deadline is, but it's it's not for a while yet. But you can find the the guidelines for that contest online right now. And the the site, once again, is? That's the, the uh, California Federation of Chaparral Poets. Okay. Do they have a specific theme, or is it open? There'll be different themes. There'll be categories. Okay. I, I forget what the theme is for this year. Uh -huh. Yes, they always have a theme, mm -hmm. and then they'll have several categories, as oh. many as like 12 categories. Oh, sometimes. my. Well, I need to look into that, too. <laughs> There's so much going on in this area, and there one is. of the reasons I'm so happy so to host this show is that um, I'm always discovering new things that are right in my neighborhood that I never knew about. It is wonderful. We have all this artistic culture here. When I first came here, somebody made the comment to me that this was the cultural void. Now... That was totally erroneous. <laughs> you know, it may have been a little more obscure, a little more hidden uh -huh. a few years ago, but uh, it was never a void. And it's really taken off, too. Yeah. And programs like yours help that to happen because people get connected. And yes. They get inspired. Well, I think we have a lot more that's out in the open. And, and then, of course, with the internet and, and oh, the different yes, ways of yes. communicating and receiving information we're privy Things to so much more so much yeah.
but we still need the arts. And as you said, maybe more than ever. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been yes. such a pleasure. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Linda. Okay. <laughs> You're listening to the Arts of the San Joaquin Valley on 95.5 FM, KCBP Community Radio, streaming at kcbpradio.org. This is Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. I'm your host, Linda Scheller, and today I'm talking with Anne Williams-Bailey. Thank you so much, Anne. It's a pleasure. So, did you grow up in this area? Yes, I was born in Hayward and lived there until I was five or six and then we moved to Stockton. I grew up there and then moved to Turlock to go to college, and I've been in Turlock ever since. What was your major in college? Fine art. Ah. Did you start experimenting in art as a child? No. I was a biology major in a special program at STAG when I was in high school, and when I decided over the summer of my freshman year to be an artist, I just decided I'd be an artist. Wow, that's a big jump. Yeah, my parents were impressed. Oh, <laughs> I bet. What kind of courses did you take at Stan State? I went there for a long time because I really liked college. Uh-huh. I came from a strict, kind of strict upbringing. And so I took, um, um, I had almost a minor in psychology and I did have a minor in creative writing, then a fine arts major where I, I took anything they would put my way. Excellent. Uh, What were some influences on you as an artist and as a writer? There were a number of individuals who were just pretty well amazing. I can't list them all, but um, artists took me places. Like we went to Peter Volkus's studio in Berkeley, and they just gave us the opportunity to be exposed to things that as a valley girl I really had never seen or even knew existed. You were telling me about Big Moon, Could you explain to our listeners what what that was? Big Moon was a a literary um, small press that came out of the opportunity uh, of Christy Kickelhan and Estelle Milliken, Brian Wright, Nancy Wright, and me. We created a collaborative opportunity to have a small press, so they wrote a grant. We did four or five issues. I can't remember, maybe more. Were you one of the editors then in charge of one or the other aspect of art or writing? Mm, I I helped in the early issues. I helped with fine art, but um, pretty much I was a gopher. Oh, sounds like a great experience, though. was. I'm also very interested in the collaborations you've done with the New Dance Company. Could you tell us about that? The California Arts Project had a number of... I was um, a charter member of the the California Central Valley Writing Project. I did a lot of stuff with them. And then later on, the California Arts Project um, opened up for me, and I ended up meeting Lisa Ree, who was a, a, a choreographer in Stockton. We did for maybe eight or nine years, we did collaborations with the Legion of Honor, where they would do a call for submission for dancers who created pieces of work, performances, based on poems, and so I was the writer for that for a number of seasons. Sounds like a wonderful experience. Eleven years, you said? Ten or eleven, I can't remember. Some years we would switch off and different poets in the area, you know, might be involved. Mm -hmm. 
And then you've been a member of the writing group, The Licensed Fools, for some time. Yes, that's a fun group. They get foolish, and <laughs> I enjoy the um, I enjoy the challenge of um, meeting with people over and creating a history, like a, a collaborative history, listening to the individuals. They're extraordinary individuals. The writing that they come up with and the revision process, and it's an inspirational group. And then we've had some readings recently at the Bark and Dog. You read at the Carnegie, I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the opportunity to read in public is is wonderful and terrible. I you know, know what you mean. <laughs> it, gives you, it gives you this shot of adrenaline, and then you, and also this big giant shot of dread mm -hmm. that perhaps you know what you're saying. You know, you want to always go back and do the greatest hits. Well, these are things that have been published, and so I should. But then there's a part of you that says, let's carry on with what we're doing now, so that it's a little more authentic. Pretty scary. Well, speaking of publications, where has your writing appeared? Um, over the years, I participated in a number of small chapbooks. Um, I was delighted to be included in um, More Than Soil, More Than Sky. I liked that. That's a lovely anthology. It is. And then um, a number of small press issues around the area, mostly just regional. Um, I was part of Collision Three, I think it was Collision Three. That was fun. That was way fun. Yeah, that's the pairing of a photographer with a poet. Yeah. Collaboration is pretty much the name of the game for me. If you wouldn't mind, please talk about your career as a teacher. I started off as a school teacher teaching art in a really small rural high school. I taught studio art, and then the school was so tiny, I also taught creative writing um, for a few years and then after that they got a specialist and so then I taught art and PE, body and soul. That was way fun. Hmm. And then um, for the most part I taught studio art. I did it for 35 years and after about four or five years with the California Arts Project I started doing professional development, basically working with the Arts Project to um, help elementary school teachers, because I taught high school, uh -huh. to teach, uh, help them to um, basically feel more comfortable with teaching art at the beginning of the educational process, mm -hmm. instead of people waiting until they got to high school yeah. or junior high to take art, make it an integral part of the educational process, because it's the way people learn. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a marvelous endeavor. And you were Teacher of the Year in 1990, right? Yeah, 1990-91, Teacher of the Year for the State of California for continuation schools, a whole different ball of wax. <laughs> Did you have to travel and yeah, went to LA presentations? To the, yeah, I went to the LA, went to LA for the conference for the, and when I realized the people that were up on the panel with me, uh, they didn't tell us till we got there. They were amazing. There were some well, amazing, so you. amazing. Well, there were some amazing teachers up there. <laughs> they were just unbelievable. I was so thrilled that you gave me a tour and showed me some of your wonderful creations. I knew, first of all, about your photography. When did you start taking photographs and becoming serious about photography? Well, I've always liked photography, but I did um, wet photography um, when I was, as part of my program teaching uh, in high, at the little high school that I taught at, um, I taught black and white photography, pretty much wet photography. So, you know, you have film. And then you develop the film, and this is a whole different reality than when the digital age came in. It was all of a sudden I had access to color, mm. which totally lit me up because, I mean, 
as an artist, I've always been a painter and, and, and I would draw and color was always the big uh, deal. To not have to worry about the development issue of, of um, color mm -hmm. was astounding. You have these marvelous mixed media sculptures. How did you get started with that? Those have been a corollary, kind of like a when I, when I do shows, you know, gallery shows and things like that, for the most part, I would show photography or drawings and paintings. And then I had these little bizarre personal expressions out of mixed medium. Sometimes, they'd, like a friend would give us um, a giant pile of roving and wool, and, and then we would prune the trees, and so I would wrap them in wool and go, okay, where am I going from here? And so they would be like personal narratives, like what's going on in my life at this time. Describe adolescence, which I found fascinating. Could you please tell us about that? Well, it's a hanging, it's a hanging construct uh, made of wire, and um, the wire basket along the bottom uh, is covered in different kinds of, um, like Japanese paper, uh, with different things from my son's life. Uh, embedded in my life, embedded in there, bits of toy and bits of like scraps of little bits of writing that he did as a child, and I embedded them all in there. And then down at the bottom of it, it's I don't know, it's semi opaque, so it's translucent at the bottom, mm -hmm. and then it becomes into it looks like a giant egg, yeah, it does. pretty much. And then it had things inside, but it had one little opening in it um, that was for when you know when the Bird leaves the nest. Yes. And so the bottom of it was all of the things that he left behind. And then the, the big egg was pretty much um, indicative of, you know, our relationship, which is it's really strong. It's pretty old now. It's still hanging in there. I'm impressed by its longevity. It's lovely, and it's so poignant. I mean, it's very meaningful. I, I can relate to it. It's beautiful. So you also paint acrylic, oil. What is your preferred... I like acrylic. Um, uh -huh. um, I like watercolor as well, but um, I'm not a master at watercolor. But um, I like it. I, I use. I, I do when I do painting. Um, I pretty much do mixed media as well because maybe I'll introduce some text and uh, maybe some photos or you know little prints of things, and then I'll cover them over with paint. So maybe they're still there, but you know you don't see them, but they're still there. Recently, I've been getting into um, landscape. In photography, I mostly do abstractions of nature. You know, so I'll get up really close with synthesis. Mm -hmm. and But with painting, I tend to back away uh -huh. and do a larger, like maybe a full landscape. And then I, once I have it painted, then I go in and abstract it to sort of tailor it to what's going on in my life at the time. Hmm. Could you tell us about the mask series that you did? Yes. Um, when I was first starting out in college, I was interested in Coyote the Trickster. I started doing a series of, of masks. Most I started with Prismacolor. Each mask looked the same, but they were all a little different. And the idea behind it is that you keep making the same mistakes over and <laughs> over. But every time you start afresh, you feel like, oh, well, I'm not going to make that mistake again. <laughs> and then you do. And so that was the overlapping masks in it. Um, uh -huh. They're just profiles. So they're pretty flat. I love it. Currently, you have a piece in Hayward in the Celebrate Women exhibit. Yeah, in Hayward at the City Hall Gallery. Uh huh. And it's, again, 
it's a, a landscape that is paired. Most of them, most of the paintings I have are paired with poems, and the poem for that particular painting is called "Defensible Space." Mm. It's mixed media. It has a small articulated bird at the bottom. I think it's a raven. The rest is basically the fires, the California fires, because oh. it's called Calif It's a part of a series of poems called "Defensible Space: uh -huh. California Wildfires." Oh. I would love to see that. It's on exhibit until, I think, January okay. 11th. And you're a member of Pen Women. How long have you been a part of that organization? Not too long. I'm, I'm a reasonably new. Chella Gonzalez and uh, Lynn Hansen uh, invited me. They're uh, just a group of really extraordinary women. And every time I go and learn a little bit more about people that I'm just now getting to know, mm -hmm. I'm just amazed at what a wide and in-depth experience base there is in that organization. It's astonishing to me how many artists there are in this area. You know, most of us, unless we join an organization like that, don't even know of the existence of the others. So, yeah, I'm very interested in pen women. Yeah, the writers in pen women are just extraordinary. They go the full range from, you know, children's books to novels, to sports writing, to, I mean, just every possible opportunity. And there's a lot of poets, and it's, it's a really supportive atmosphere when they do their shares. Twice a year they do shares. And that's really interesting to hear what people are doing and, mm -hmm. and see their most recent stuff. Not necessarily all polished up for, you know, like when you read at the Carnegie or something. Just, this is works in progress, or this is mm. what I'm doing. And, and everybody talks then about what they're currently working on? Uh -huh. Oh, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. You sign up, and then um, you tell, like Loretta Eichord does the, the writers, and then she organizes it all. Henrietta Sparkman does the artists, and she gets it all organized. And, mm -hmm. and then you just they give you six minutes, and you go. <laughs> kind of entertaining. Well, that sounds very uh, nurturing and supportive and inspiring. Yeah, in particular because... When I was with the California Arts Project, which has moved since moved, I was I taught at ULP at the University of Pacific with the California Art Project for about 10 years. And when they moved it away, you know, when they closed the Sacramento and then they closed the ULP one, um, it kind of left me without that creative support system uh -huh. that, you know, I... I just felt kind of bereft. Yeah. And now this is sort of the, the collegiality involved with this group of artists and writers is, is helpful. It is important. So are you um, embarking on any kind of new project? or Are you mulling over any ideas for where you want to explore next artistically? Mm. At this point, I'm, I'm looking, I'm rethinking... Um, Moving into the sculpture again, I've already started a giant pile of sticks and wool, and that seems to be the little the little mantra that I do in order to get going. And then from there, then I move off and do whatever I'm doing, <laughs> and then I end up with in the corner of this giant pile of sticks because I don't really use them for anything; they're more just reflection. So you have a studio here somewhere that uh -huh, you... upstairs, among all the chaos, there's there's a <laughs> studio up there. Uh huh. Is chaos kind of an important component of art making? No, it's an it's a it's a drag on art making. <laughs> a byproduct. It's a byproduct. Yeah, like a toxic byproduct. Oh. How are you likely to uh, receive inspiration? 
what sort of things do you find leap out at you or start the thought process for I, you? I read a lot. I okay. read a lot, and I, and I like getting into situations where people talk about what they've read or they talk about, you know, something that's interesting, um, or you go, I, I, I drive a lot, uh-huh. and I listen to books on tape sometimes, but for the most part, I'll, I'll just pull over, I'll take my camera, and I'll pull over, and then I'll just kind of wander around in mm-hmm. places that don't have a lot of people in them. Recently, I've been just really interested in the LaGrange area. Oh, it's beautiful. It is. It is, and, you know, I live so close, and it's probably been 20 years since I've been up there, hmm. so I went there the other day and thought, I'm going to go back. Do you bring more than a camera? Do you have like a lot of art supplies that are in the car just in case? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. I'm lucky to um, to get the camera and get out the door. <laughs> and then do you take the photographs and kind of move on from there in some cases? Sometimes. Sometimes I'll do that. But um, most of the time, they're, it, the photographs are an entity in themselves. Uh-huh. I love to play around with light and I and the whole idea of having of having uh, an interior monologue while the hmm. photograph is being taken. Then when I take that photograph, then uh, when I see that photograph, I go back to that whatever reflection that I was thinking about. Hmm. And then from there, if it's worth its salt, then I will go into whatever it is that I'm either going to paint or draw or, you know, sculpt. How do you decide on the medium? Like just reach for something because there's this impulse to convey the thoughts or impressions or images via a certain... Yeah, I, I, think, I think the whole creative process is pretty much the same and different for everyone. Yeah. You know, like how do you, how do you know when you just start fooling around with words that they're going to eventually jump at you and become, go off on their own, they just take on mm-hmm. a life of their own. Sometimes you know, that happens and you just think, whoa, and you just stop whatever you're doing and you just right. do it, you know, uh-huh. but, and other times you can beat that thing to death and, mm-hmm. and you just go, well, this goes in that drawer. <laughs> yes, <laughs> It's not going anywhere. <laughs> so I think art and writing are the same. I think the creative process for me mm-hmm. is, is the same. It's whatever's cooking out there that deigns to come and park uh-huh. in my driveway for a while, pretty much. Well, I love your writing because it has such a strong visual quality. One of my favorite poems of yours is the Stockton Reds. uh, Mm, mm. I mean, that just, I suddenly understood the area so much better. You grew up there. and I mean, I felt like I had been invited into your world, your childhood. It was very evocative, very powerful in a beautiful way. Thank you, yeah. I, I I love that whole Delta area where they do fields and fields and fields of onions. How do you feel that art fits in with community? Because that's sort of our emphasis here with KCBP. What part do you believe art plays within a community? I think it's the thread. Hmm. I think it's the thread that like kind of pulls on people and kind of puckers them up. They either get all whacked out about it or they go, oh yeah. They either, you know, have, uh, as long as it pulls people together so to open up discourse because until we talk um, and communicate uh, in a non-judgmental mm-hmm. and open way you know none of us will ever truly know each other and until you truly know somebody there's no way you can completely accept them and mm-hmm. we need acceptance oh yes we really need acceptance yes well thank goodness for the arts yeah and for people that 
promote them. Mm -hmm. I appreciate this. Oh, this is lovely. Uh, you know, to, just to go on record to saying, you know, the arts matter and, and individuals matter. It's, it's powerful, especially yeah. for kids. Well, yeah. it's for the kids and adults, too, uh -huh. frankly. What can um, people do to nurture the arts within themselves or within their family? What are some suggestions off the top of your head that they might consider to kind of make themselves more creative or more expressive? I'd say, first and foremost, look around you. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on around you. Mm -hmm. I believe in that immediate connection that get off your phone and get out there mm -hmm. and look at what's out there. Places like the Carnegie Center for the Arts, the Missolin, they offer opportunities to see what the rest of the world is doing and to also see what's going on personally with people in the community. Uh -huh. And just that sense of community that is created by those organizations reaching out and providing funding for things that wouldn't normally get done, like they have Free Friday. I know for sure, I know a little more about the Carnegie than the Mislin because I live in Turlock, but they have Free Fridays uh, once a month where families can come and there's an art activity and there's all this stuff and then there's always these wonderful shows. They have rotating shows of, you know, where they do a call for submission that um, pairs up with the big show. Like mm -hmm. when they had the Ansel Adams show, they did, you know, a little thing. And when they had the Mooka show, they did a little thing and on dreams. And, Ooh. you know, there's all this kind of stuff. It was just on and on. It's just been, they've had the most wonderful shows there. And it's so reasonable. If you're mm -hmm. a member, it's free, obviously. But yeah, even if you're not a member, you can go in and there are certain days that it's free, mm -hmm. you know. Good to know. Yeah, so okay. that's nice. It's been such a pleasure conversing with you, and I can't thank you enough, Anne. Thank you. The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley has been produced and hosted by Linda Scheller and Sandy Graham, and features music by Kilobot, Waves of Wonder from the album Jazzy Lazy. You can learn more about their music at www.kilobot.de. That's K-I-E-L-O-B-O-T D-E. If you would like us to feature your art-related event, or if you would like to be featured on our show, contact us at arts at kcbpradio.org. Stay tuned for more great community radio brought to you by local volunteers, the Modesto Peace Life Center, and listeners like you. Please visit kcbpradio.org to show your support and to learn more about your community radio station. Catch you next time on the Arts of the San Joaquin Valley.